Right? Another way to think about it, let's say you pick door number one. The Monty does either shows you door number two or door number three. But really, by switching, you're really capturing those other two doors. Those two doors have now reduced themselves down to, to, to one. But if the prize was originally behind door number two or door number three, uh, either way to begin with, that prize is behind the other door. The Rational View is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective addressing important societal issues. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Rational View. I'm your host, Dr. Al Scott. On this episode, I want to talk about how humans are poor reasoners and easily fooled. Misconceptions and misunderstandings of statistics are at the root of society's problems with communicating and understanding science. So I thought I'd call up an expert in the field of statistics who has been studying how statistics are communicated to the public. As always, if you like what you're hearing, please press like on the podcast episode that you're looking at, share with me a comment, uh, and share it with your friends. I'd love to hear from you. Today I'll be speaking with an old friend who I teamed up with for three years on the University of Guelph Varsity Men's Curling Team. Dr. Jeremy Balka is a teaching-focused associate professor in the Department of Mathematics and Statistics at the University of Guelph. He has a YouTube channel on statistics with over 100,000 subscribers. Look it up, it's JB Statistics. Jeremy, welcome to The Rational View. Thanks for having me, Al. It's a pleasure to be here. Nice to touch base again. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. The last time we hung out, I think, was the previous millennium. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we did actually curl there, and I remember actually, or I, I, at least in my false memory, I, I thought I played pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did, did you come up and play with us once? I came up and played with you once. I did, yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 I remember that very well because uh, I, I'd been playing poorly with my brothers in our one annual bond spiel, and I came up and I played well with you, and I, I, I remember that very well. Well, we had some... Pretty rocking good times curling back in the day. I remember back in, in University of Guelph curling team, we used to spend our weekends in the winter semester going to curling bond spiels instead of studying. <laughs> we definitely, definitely had some had some good times there. Alan, you know what? I, I, I often think of that uh, big comeback against Waterloo. I don't know if you remember, <laughs> remember that one. We were down five with two ends to play in the Ontario uh, University playdowns. And they didn't even have a shot for the tie in 10. I remember that. <laughs> There's actually some interesting probability things in there as well. but Playing the freeze instead of the hit. Uh, you do remember, yes. <laughs> We played that angle freeze to try and really stick it to them. And yeah, so, you know, fun when it works. Yeah, yeah. So I remember back back in the day, you were, I think, putting yourself through university playing Texas Hold'em and doing rather well. Um, yeah, well, you know, that's a rather well is a relative thing. Um, <laughs> I didn't get rich like, like <laughs> some folks did and uh, the internet poker boom and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, during, during my master's, especially, I, uh, it was, it was a nice little, little bonus to play a little poker on the side. Uh, absolutely. So it was, there were some fun times there. I remember you played a, You played a very, a very, um, straightforward statistical method, right? You just folded everything until you got a pair of aces or a pair of kings <laughs> and you were making like 50 bucks an hour. Not not quite that simple. And I probably wasn't making that kind of money in the games I was playing in there. Uh, but that back then when the 
poker uh, before the big poker boom uh, the the skill of the players wasn't all that high so yeah that got you pretty far just playing tight and and not throwing your money away with garbage hands you know calling raises with uh, 10 deuce suited all the time and things like that so uh, sticking to premium hands and playing reasonably back in the day uh, did pretty well. Things have gotten a, a lot more competitive over the years uh, when people realized there was a little bit of money to be made. Was, was this what got you into statistics in the first place? No, but but it, it was related in a sense because I, I've always thought about uh, things in terms of uh, probabilities. My, my brothers would mock me sometimes when I was much, much younger with that. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> I'd say stuff like that. So I did, even as a child, think about things in terms of, in terms of probabilities, in terms of, um, especially in terms of distributions of things. Uh, you know, sometimes people would see you know, a certain average and think that that was kind of the be all and end all. And somewhere in my a weird little abstract mind, I'd think that uh, that was just one of the values that we happened to see from the distribution of possible values we could have gotten. Uh, <laughs> and that, and that, that line of thinking is, plays a pretty fundamental role in, in statistics. So I did take a, a little while to get to uh, uh, the statistics side of things in terms of my education, but it was always part of how I thought and, and how I thought about things and, and where my, my skills uh, uh, lay. So the theme that I wanted to explore in this was, you know, humans are basically poor reasoners and we're easily fooled. And this leads people down rabbit holes. And um, maybe I want to inoculate people a little bit against bad statistics, because I think a, a lack of understanding of statistics is one of the problems why people can't follow scientific um, announcements or they, they, they get fooled very easily. What do you think? Is that something that that you come across? Oh, certainly. Uh, a lack of understanding of uh, how statistics works. And especially uh, when we actually get to inferential statistics, if we're starting to do things like hypothesis testing and coming up with confidence intervals, uh, they're a little bit tricky to fully grasp. And uh, if you're reading a me the media's interpretation of something like that, uh, they might have gotten it wrong or they might be trying to simplify things um, and, and in the simplification, not really getting to the heart of the matter. So it's tough for uh, non-experts in the field uh, to, to express themselves really cleanly and truthfully and get it across to the masses uh, in an accessible form while still conveying <laughs> the reality of, of what that information means. So that's definitely true that uh, there, there, there's some pretty serious misunderstandings uh, of, of uh, what, 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 we, what we do in statistics, for sure. I just did a podcast uh, last week, actually, call, I called it Healthy Skepticism, where I was attempting to highlight some of the problems with statistics in in publications and the p-value um, and, you know, the replication crisis in the humanities where a team of scientists undertook to uh, verify some important results in the field and something like half the published results were not reproducible. Is that something you've uh, looked into? Um, well, certainly you've done, done a, a little bit of reading in it. I haven't done, uh, made that a focus of my research or anything like that, but, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting problem. And so I have looked at, uh, at, at some of those studies and, and findings, um, 
There, there are some, um, some, a lot of factors at work there, certainly, and I'm, I'm not sure what you talked about in your, in your previous podcast, but um, there's uh, all, all sorts of factors from, from uh, you know, just straight cheating on things, which isn't the, the, which isn't the biggest part, of course, that's one of the smaller problems, um, but sometimes people do get tempted to uh, keep that career going by, um, you know, Perhaps just tweaking things a little here and there, but perhaps uh, something a little a, a little worse. Uh, but yes, absolutely. So I have looked into that. Um, uh, there, there's been various studies that have. have gone and and, um, and and done that sort of thing and the people do use different terminology sometimes with uh, sometimes using uh, re reproducibility and replicability interchangeably uh, but sometimes just for a point of clarification sometimes people use uh, reproducible to mean that you can take this the the data that those scientists use and carry out their methods and come up with the same conclusions and uh, they use uh replicable to mean that you go out and you attempt to do the same study get the same well get new data based on the same study design and then carry out an analysis and uh and see if you get a, a similar similar effect so i tend to just use those terms interchangeably but that's that, that's a, a a little bit loose um and and just just getting that out there in case you do use the the, the uh, that that terminology um i i think the the crux of the issue is as far as i understood it anyways is that if you're public Pushing a two sigma correlation of some sort, you've got a, a 95% um, a confidence level in your result. And this is basically what's accepted as, as publishable data in, in the field of humanities and um, medical uh, studies. That means that one in 20 of your results are randomly just a, a null result. And if, say, a lot of people are doing studies on the same topic and 19 of the groups don't get anything and the 20th group is the one that publishes, then you get a, a false idea of confidence in that result. Well, that sort of thing does does play a pretty big role. I'll just tweak that a little bit, if I may, um, because we do have those two main uh, statistical inference techniques, one with the confidence intervals, which we often do at a 95% uh, level. And then there's the hypothesis testing, uh, which is uh, has, has significance levels rather than confidence levels. And often is carried out at a significance level of 0.05. Um, in 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 practice, in journal articles and things like that, absolutely. Um, th there's nothing magical about that about that 0.05 value whatsoever, and uh, that that cutoff. Uh, we we get a a, a p value in a, in, a, in a hypothesis test, and. We go through and we see that uh, if, if that p-value is less than 0.05, then people will say often say there's a statistically significant uh, result. And as as uh, you allude to there, if there's no real effect, let's say we're testing for a difference between uh, the effect of two drugs, and let's say that they happen to be the same drug uh, in reality, and they have this or just simply have exactly the same effect. If we're looking to see if there's uh, a difference in testing the null hypothesis that there there is no difference, then yeah, just by by chance, we're going to get uh, a p-value that's less than 0.05, uh, you know, uh, one time in, in, in 20. Um, and and as you say, if if there is that 
tendency to publish those uh, uh, results that we might uh, refer to as being statistically significant, then yeah, we're going to really uh, be, be biased there and have that publication biased towards those things. So in some ways, it's not really a surprise when we see these uh, these replication experiments and things like that, that um, we're, we're, we're not seeing the same results all that often. Part of that certainly is that uh, that the publication bias like that millions of researchers doing millions of studies and just only publishing where we see something interesting or unusual or <laughs> that sort of thing that can that can really throw throw stuff off there's also other 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 issues that are a little bit more subtle uh, or perhaps a little bit more subtle where um, you go fishing in the in the data to find a hypothesis to test mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and combing through various variables or correlations absolutely right you, you're sitting there and you're going huh isn't that interesting that these two groups would have such a, a seemingly different effect here now let's test if there's a difference between those two groups and and of course yeah <laughs> cherry picking like that uh it really does throw off uh throw off the math in a sense right where uh, yeah we shouldn't be using the same data that suggests a hypothesis to to test that hypothesis so that that's certainly a big thing the the publication bias there is 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 huge and then you know other other problems the the slight um little bit of the the a little bit of data manipulation here and there um you know it, it can be sort of subtle where people don't realize there's a huge problem uh, let's say you have a bit of an outlier a bit of an extreme value and uh, if your if your test happened to have a p value less than 0.05 while you keep it in and then if you throw it out <laughs> or if, if not if your p-value is greater than 0.05 you say well what would happen if i threw that outlier out <laughs> would that help yeah. me uh yeah. so there's all sorts of little little subtle things or try uh, to find an excuse to throw out the data that you don't like yeah and and it also the one big one um well not necessarily big but a, a, an effect is is just cherry picking different tests just trying different things uh doing a regular yeah, old yeah. t-test like we might want or switching to a non-parametric test if you didn't get what you what you what you wanted to see okay this is good so i, I think i didn't lie in my last podcast so that that's good to know <laughs> <laughs> but tell me tell me a little bit about yourself you your your career what have you been doing you must be doing something right to have a hundred thousand subscribers on youtube that's awesome yeah, it's, it's well. It's an interesting thing. I've been doing it for some time, so that is over the course of a number of years. Um, but I, one of those things, um, I did my PhD because I wanted to teach statistics at university. It, it's just that simple. I, <laughs> I, I like the idea of, of teaching statistics. I thought I'd be reasonable at it, um, and I wanted to teach uh, statistics at university. So I said. I'm, I'm going to do a PhD uh, with that with that end in mind, and so I I, I started to t I started to teach and and one of the things was back around um, uh, 2010 or so or a little after I, I started having really huge classes where I had 
um, upwards of a thousand students in a, in a class, maybe, you know, two different lecture sections, but uh, so still a, a lot of students. And when you get to a thousand, some of those numbers start to be, be really easy to, to crunch through. <laughs> you get a $150 textbook, a thousand students, even if only half the students buy it, say, uh, we're talking $75,000 out of the pockets of students. And that's, that's um, a, a not insignificant amount of money for uh, one instructor for one course for for one semester. Um, so I started doing a, a, a little bit better job writing things up I, with uh, the eye in mind, uh, 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 the, the end in mind of, of uh, being able to wean myself away from, from making students purchase textbooks. And in that line, um, I, I also thought, well, it is a little bit silly too in some ways that we're forcing students to come in, you know, you will learn statistics at 8.30 on Monday morning, <laughs> right? Or at 1.30 in the afternoon on Tuesday, whatever. Uh, it's not always an optimal time for, for somebody, even a very conscientious students who are, who are hardworking. So, what I wanted to do is is make resources available to students um, to to augment uh, the regular lectures and and uh, have it be such that they could catch up on the material or uh, if they had a little bit of fuzziness in, in, on on a topic to be able to uh, um, uh, put in some work on at their own time. So. I started to make fairly short videos on specific topics, uh, and um, I, I, one of those things with videos online, whenever I would look at somebody else's lecture, it would always seem you know, just painfully long and slow if you just recorded a regular lecture and put it online. So I started to make these you know, somewhat very focused on, on individual topics. I don't really make a great deal of effort to be pop wow bang cool you know <laughs> sure okay <laughs> and it's just to try and get the 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 content across as 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 best i can so um uh yeah it's it's, it's been it's been it's been interesting and certainly i've gotten uh, very good feedback from my own students over the years and and from um you know other professors and they they used it at various institutions and and things things like that so it's 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 been a very satisfying thing and one of the great benefits of the internet that I was uh, just able to do that in a rather uh, simple fashion, just record something in a room myself at one in the morning and um, put it out there and see if anybody cares, right? It's a, it's, it was, so it's, it's been a, it's been a fun, it's been a fun thing. I, I have to dedicate a little bit more time to it to, to get back there and make some more. Yeah. Okay. So that's very cool. So for this podcast, I mean, I, I remember, you know, you were able to take advantage of some simple statistics to make money playing poker back as a student. Uh, what are some other st uses of statistics that uh, uh, you like to use in everyday life? What, what, Give me some some cool anecdotes to, to share with our listeners. <laughs> cool anecdotes to, to share with the listeners. Um, it comes into everyday life a lot. It, 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 it really does. A, a number of things. Well, one of the first things <laughs> pops into my head is the atrocious calls, uh, strategy decisions that when I watch football games, be it NFL or, or college. Um, Okay. And football. Yeah. Not that that helps me. In fact, it's probably a frustrating thing because I watch and you see them do very, very silly things, um, which are pretty obviously silly with some basic 
stats knowledge uh and uh, okay this is very interesting <laughs> well it's it's there, there's a one of the things that's that's fairly obvious and well known i think in at least in of football statistics uh, folks is that that coaches tend to be far too wimpy um, for a big, uh, manly, tough guy game, uh, they they tend to uh, take the, uh, the the easy way out uh, a lot, punting essentially when they when they should be going for it. Okay. Fourth and one from the fourth and one from the opposition forty eight or something like that in a tie game, and they, well, you don't want to go into halftime uh, giving them points at the end, so let's just punt and pin them down. Um, and and these things are are fairly clear uh, mistakes. And there's people who've put in a lot a lot of research into this. I have not, but but sometimes it's very very obvious. Uh, so the 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 watching sports, <laughs> I'd say it's probably more of a frustration to know. A a little bit more, um, but there's 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 uh, things come up. Uh, uh, you know, it does help a little bit. It, it just even in the financial markets, although they're pretty uh, pretty strange these days. <laughs> One might argue, and not, not something I can uh, get my mind uh, wrapped around all that well. But still, the basic principles uh, do hold. Uh, 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 Quite well, and 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 do give you an opportunity for at least sometimes to have a, a good idea that might that might make you a little bit of money. Um, yeah, there's a lot of mathematicians that are making money on the stock market as um, running these derivative programs and and developing the algorithms for sh selling and short selling and long selling and all that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely, right, uh, absolutely. So, and, and people with you know, come even a lot of people came from from your type of background, right, with a PhD in physics and went into that sort of thing as quants in the in the finance industry, um, and 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 made made a lot of money. So, I haven't done anything like that, uh, but I think a, a, an understanding at least of, of variability and and the natural variability in things. Um, well, one, it, it it might help you uh, weather the storm a little bit when. <laughs> On those downturns, uh, and, and and realize that these things just happen, uh, and and maybe my poker background helps there a little bit as well because uh, <laughs> those those downsides uh, on uh, anything involving uh, money are not not that much fun, but uh, with a little bit of experience, they uh, it does come a little bit easier. I'd say though, one of the things is that that uh, we're we're my area uh, expertise in statistics does help it's even just in 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 reading news or or regular old journal articles and um you know with 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 the knowledge of publication bias and 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 what sort of shenanigans might have been behind the scenes lets you read things with a with a critical eye um and healthy even if, skepticism uh, uh, absolutely, and and th there's there's lots of times, and I use certain examples in, in class with the students where it might be a published journal article and perhaps they have they have a p-value of 0.04 uh, or something along those lines but you think you know it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a wacky hypothesis or some might call it a bit of a wacky hypothesis and one of those things where uh, extraordinary claims <laughs> need extraordinary evidence right so uh, for you to feel for you to feel comfortable about it anyway so one of those ones where if it's if it's something that is just not uh, you know sure there's lots of counterintuitive things that are 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 in fact 
true. But if it's one of those things where you think it's this is a little bit fishy, I'm I'm not really buying it. Uh, you can you can think well, I I I'm kind of dismissing this, even though this one particular study does show some evidence here. Um, I'm going to in in my own way downweight that. It's a bit of a dangerous <laughs> uh, road to go if, if, because it allows you to bring your biases in, and that's always dangerous when you're bringing your biases to bear on something. But uh, one article, you can you can remain biased and not be a pariah in the scientific field. These days, especially having it just popped into my head here, that it's a little bit worrisome to just say I dismiss things when <laughs> they don't fit with my view of the world. Obviously, much <laughs> has been made of confirmation bias these days, uh, and and so just only reading the things that you like to <laughs> to read. But it's still as far as. Uh, statistical training goes. It, it it is it is helpful uh, to be able to uh, you know not not simply just read something and and take it at face value and at least think of the problems uh, that might be behind the scenes um, and that it, maybe it's a good idea to see if there are other studies backing that up because yeah we don't we don't want to put too much weight into uh, the results of one study. Yeah, another place that I think a knowledge of statistics comes in handy is is gambling, uh, and you know, going to casinos. Uh, many years ago, I, I played a little bit of blackjack in the day, and I decided to to learn how to count cards. It's kind of frowned upon by the casinos because uh, they benefit from slanting the odds in their favor. Um, there's a good website I, I was using called Wizard of Odds. It shows house advantage under various rule variants, and you could recognize how much you're going to lose in the long run. And then you can count cards and kind of bring that back to your to your side of the table, just barely. I mean, the variance in these things is very huge, though, and I don't think people have a very good understanding of, of variance and uh, in gambling, right? They, they always think that uh, luck runs in streaks, for example, Uh which is a, a fallacy, I think. But if, if I could just pop in here, Al, because I never knew you did card time, because back in the day, I, before poker, uh, I, I did as well a, a, a little bit. Uh, and uh, so I used the, that, uh, the high-low system there. Um, and and it's, 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 been a little, it's been a little while for yep. me, but the three through sixes were the plus ones and the, and the tens and the face cards uh, were the minus ones. Uh, and, and so, yeah, ab- absolutely. The the the, the mm-hmm. blackjack it was interesting, and well, the 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 history of how that came about is very interesting as well. With them hammering away at the hand calculators, coming up with a basic strategy. Um, I think, believe it was a number of people that was at Army Research Base, even back in the back in the fifties, uh, coming up with the the basic strategy and figuring out at least to a pretty good approximation the the house edge in it. And then um, when uh, Ed Thorpe got his hands on that and, and said, wait a minute, <laughs> when, when those, when those, uh, let's see what happens when certain cards are left out and how that edge switches, because that edge is not all that big. Uh, and yeah, when the, when they figured out that when those low valued cards are disproportionately out of the deck, that, that it really swings over. Uh, and, and he made a, 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 a lot of money in that 
time before going off and making a lot of money in the stock market. Hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that about you. But as far as variance goes, absolutely. And the variance in blackjack is astronomical. And it's much, much, much higher than in, in, in poker uh, for the same expectation. Uh, well, depending on, on, on your skills, of course, right? But <laughs> uh, the, the overall, the... the that if for, for, for people who are equally skilled in the sense of arriving at the same uh, expectation, um, expected winnings, let's say, uh, then the, the variance is much higher in blackjack. It's, it's the, the perception of people, though. Everyone you play with thinks that luck runs in streaks. And if you're in a, in a bad deck or a good deck and you're getting a streak of luck, say, uh, it, it's not the fact that luck runs in streaks. It's that it's much more memorable when luck runs in streaks. And if randomly you string together a series of wins or losses, you're going to remember that much more than the two hours you played going up and down by a, one hand, right? Absolutely. And, and um, you know, it's a little tricky on the blackjack side of things because there is a dependence between hands as the, as the cards uh, uh, get removed and, and, and change a little. Um, so the, there is a possibility of some, um, some relationships there. But, but yeah, overall, um, you know, if we, if, we take, if we simplify things and we go to the roulette table, say and assume it's a balanced wheel then sure you know uh, a, a very reasonable assumption is that uh what happens on 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 one spin of the wheel doesn't doesn't give you any information about what's going to happen uh, on the next and um you know there's all sorts of weird things that could could happen like a, a, a biased wheel or you know sloped in some way or off balance but uh but overall yeah those those uh, the, the notion that a uh, black has come up a lot of times in a, in a in a row for for uh uh roulette and so reds do <laughs> is is probably not a good way to lose money probably probably not a, a, a good way to think and yeah roulette in any event is a, is a good way to lose money <laughs> but um but yeah if you're if you're starting to bet heavy because you really do and you start uh pulling a doubling up or something and then then things can get uh pretty pretty sketchy for you but yeah it's one of those things we just uh you know through 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 the long uh series of trials long series of spins uh you know eventually that um on the proportion of times reds red comes up assuming a balanced wheel will be uh you know 10 towards the 18 of the 38 for an american roulette wheel with 18 red 18 black and a couple of green mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and another thing if you're if you're you know, you're playing, you're gambling and you lose a bunch of money, but you think, okay, in the long run, I'm going to even out because of the odds are going to even me back out. Is that, is that a fallacy as well? Well, sure. Especially on, on, on the gambling front. I mean, there's, there's sort of the, the straightforward notion that, um, that, uh, you know, per that, that maybe you're just doing something bad. <laughs> you're a bad poker player <laughs> or, you know, if there's anything with skill involved. That's more likely. <laughs> <laughs> right. If there's anything with skill involved, then then uh, you, you do have to. If you're losing a lot of money, then it's something to at least consider that maybe you're uh, overestimating your your skill. But yeah, the evening outside of things, there is uh, there is the, the the law of large numbers, which I was alluding to with, with the roulette sp uh, spins there. Which it, I'm being a little bit uh, loose here because technically we could be speaking mathematically about the weak law of large numbers and the strong law of law of large numbers. But 
uh, overall, as as it applies to probability, that that through uh, through time or through that those roulette spins, let's say that proportion of uh, times red comes up will tend towards the true theoretical probability of red. And for a balanced wheel where everything's perfect, that's going to be that eighteen out of thirty eight. Mm-hmm. But that's because. You get swamped by all those trials if it's just sort of one of those really fluky things where it's, uh, um, you know, 40 out of the first uh, 50 are red. Or if we just simplify it a little bit here to coin tosses, so, <laughs> so not get uh, have to worry too much about the probabilities. If, we, if, we're, if we're just tossing a, a, a fair coin, a theoretically fair coin that has a 50% chance of coming up heads on any individual toss, well, sure, sometimes we're going to get... The that 18 tosses, uh, uh, 18 heads out of the first 20 tosses. That's that's pretty darn unlikely. Um, if we were to just keep going and 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 keep tossing uh, through through time, the, the, all those remaining tosses. If we go and we do a million tosses, say, uh, then all those million tosses that we're doing, uh, that that on average will come up 50% heads, those are going to swamp those earlier ones. It's not like there's a magical, mystical force making that 18 18 heads say, well, now tails has to come up. But we get swamped by those those later trials, all those later trials that are on average coming up uh, 50% heads that will will, uh, uh, swamp those earlier ones and make the proportion, uh, the proportion of times heads comes up 10 towards 0.5. I see. So the proportion tends to 0.5 over time, but you're still going to be down those 18 for quite some time. Well, you could. I mean, the the most the most likely uh, outcome after another million tosses <laughs> is that heads is still ahead by 16, <laughs> right? <laughs> so if you go if you go another, I mean, it's not that much more likely than the other ones, but it's most it's, it's the most likely thing that 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 uh, that those next million tosses it would be would be split, uh, and that 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 heads would be still ahead by 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 16. So it's one of those things. So just actually did crunch some numbers of, um, uh, uh, along these lines to today to get just a, a little bit of perspective on this if let's say let's let's uh preface this with uh you, you and i are playing a gambling game here okay so let's just let's pretend what we we we, we we've gambled <laughs> it's not a good idea on my part gambling against a statistics phd but all right well on on coin tosses <laughs> if he's an honest uh, stats phd and and you've got a, a a coin that you think that you're comfortable is a fair coin then it's probably not a terrible idea <laughs> Uh, but let's say we've got if we've got a theoretically fair coin here, and by fair meaning the probability heads comes up on a, on any individual trial is 0.5, and and the, the 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 tosses are independent. So knowing what happens on one toss tells us nothing about what's going to happen on on future tosses. Let's let's go with uh, that nice clean uh, simple scenario. Okay. So if we're doing this. Um, that like the proportion of wins for for you and for me are both going to tend towards 0.5 as we go off into the future here, right? And we do this more and more tosses, but the actual amount that whoever is losing owes whoever is winning, well, that's <laughs> that's going to vary, of course, but on average, that's going to increase through time. So really, yeah. So after a hundred tosses here. Uh, so I just did this, uh, ran this uh, fairly fairly quickly. So hopefully I didn't make a mistake. But uh, after a hundred tosses, uh, on average, uh, uh, the the loser will owe the winner uh, eight bucks. So 
there'll be um, a, you know as point four five four. Uh, tails or 0.54 heads, right? Uh, so uh, that that's on, on on average. So eight bucks after a hundred tosses. Uh, after a thousand tosses, it's about uh, twenty five bucks. After ten thousand, it's sort of ballpark eighty. After a hundred thousand, it's uh, two hundred and fifty bucks. After a million, we're up to up to eight hundred on on average. Now, in some ways, that doesn't sound like a lot. You say, okay, 10,000 tosses, it's $80, right? Uh, but that's $1 a time. And it, it wouldn't take us forever for you and I to, 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 to gamble like that. And let me tell you, if one of us was stuck 80 bucks to the other person betting it a dollar on heads and tails, I strongly suspect the loser would be starting to be a little bit annoyed. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and so that, that difference and the average difference, that just increases through time. There's nothing, there's nothing magical there where, where you know. It, it, it doesn't go back to zero. Um, well, it can of course <laughs> but the proportion in even in those numbers i was telling you though the proportion of times heads comes up that that the, those are going towards 0.5 but the absolute difference between number of heads and number of tails that's increasing uh and, and that will increase on average as we have uh, more and more tosses and and so that that's one of the things that does uh, grind my gears a little bit when, when people say that the you know that that luck evens out in the end let's say and that is in the true in the very specific sense that those coin tosses will tend uh, the proportion of times heads comes up will tend towards the theoretical probability of heads. Yeah, yeah. So that's true. It's as the fraction of the amount of money you've bet over time that it tends to this average. So is it relative to the amount of money that has been wagered? It tends to the average. We're looking at. I mean, when we're looking at um, like those numbers I gave you, were essentially the, like the the, the 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 average of the total win and loss, uh, as opposed to the, the absolute. Uh, uh, yeah, as opposed to the average amount you won and lost, uh, you know, per per toss. And I think in in some ways that the total is is uh, a meaningful quantity, uh, at least at least sometimes, and and. Um, we we have uh, you know people thinking oh it all evens out in the end it's over a lifetime everyone gets the same amount of good fortune <laughs> right which is uh, completely untrue of course and and ridiculously so I mean if we know people who did die young right I mean they they didn't have the same luck as everybody else right and 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 there's there's uh, smaller scale things than that that that's a big one but there's smaller scale things than that you have a a, a group of five or six friends who play poker <laughs> the, the, even if they're all equally skilled the winningest one uh will have won a fair bit more than the one who's who's won the least or or has has lost reminds me a little bit about this book i read it's called the the black swan effect and it basically said don't go into science because to become a Nobel laureate or or to get the big breakthrough is just a random occurrence in most cases. You have several equally skilled scientists and one of them is working on the right field at the right time and makes the right breakthrough. Uh, but you could be a good scientist working all your life uh, and never come across the right the right thing to, to get that breakthrough. And this, this black swan event, the very high unlikelihood but high impact occurrence uh, Fields like that are, are very high variance, and you know the mean reward is relatively low. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely true in the in the research side of things that, that um, you can be pursuing what seems like a very good line. Uh, and uh, given the information you have, might be a great thing <laughs> to pursue. Uh, and it may very well just be one of those things that doesn't it doesn't quite pan out in one way or another. That, that's true in in, uh, in 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 math and stats, but probably a little bit uh, more true if I can <laughs> use that phrase uh, in 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 your area there, coming from physics, right? If, if people are doing mm-hmm. um, you know working on some 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 big idea and in the end it doesn't work, or experimental physics and the, and the experiments just never quite pan out as 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 you'd like. Yeah, you can be doing everything everything right in a sense and just uh yeah the the lines just didn't quite come together uh and yeah i mean the negative results should be as important as the positive ones as we've seen in the replication crisis you need to you know publish these negative results no we didn't discover anything but we we've we've gathered evidence that this line of reasoning isn't good and it's still a good experiment and it's still useful scientifically but it's not going to further your career yeah, absolutely, and there there have been uh, there's uh, certainly some initiatives to to have that happen more often. Uh, have people um, not just uh, publish uh, the those um, those 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 null results, uh, but uh, also things like uh, putting their study plan up beforehand. <laughs> uh, I think that gives you a bit more assurance that those those results will get uh, published in 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 some way. So that's that's certainly part of it uh, with the with the uh, replication crisis there uh, that we, we can uh, try to publish those those things that aren't quite that cool and, and interesting and obviously there is there is information there we ran we 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 looked for a difference here and didn't find one we did this and didn't find anything that that's that's certainly something uh, and it's not quite as interesting thing to read perhaps, uh, but it's certainly information that, that is valuable. Yeah, and, and just replicating other people's work, we found is very important uh, for <laughs> building confidence or breaking down confidence uh, in, the, in the scientific process, especially. But one thing I want to talk about, and this is something that blew my mind the first time you told me about it, and I want to get to this, uh, is the Monty Hall problem. Now, this is a a statistical thing that's based on the game show, the Monty Hall show, um, where they had like three doors and behind one of the doors, there's a prize. And behind two of the doors, there's a less uh, valuable uh, prize, right? It's amazing how much controversy this this problem has. And I think this is why I want to get it shared to the listeners. Oh, yeah. No, I'd be happy to talk about it. So uh, the, the, the wording is I- incredibly important. And so there's some chance that I, I slip up even, even if I'm trying to be careful here. So... Uh, yeah, it is based on on the, the the let's make a deal and 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 Monty Hall. The the actual thing as it's phrased uh, is, is typically a, a, a little bit different. But but the notion is there are the three doors, and behind one of the doors is a good prize. Let's just call it a car. It's often phrased as a car, and then the other two doors behind them is uh, a joke prize, like a, a a goat. So it's often phrased as a goat, right? Something like that. So we have the car. And and we have we have the goat, and so from the contestants' uh, viewpoint, they're they're looking at three doors, and they don't have any information um, 
about this or the biases of, of the of the showrunners of where they put things. They just see the three doors. And so they they pick one essentially at, at random. You know, they pick whatever uh, they, they feel, but uh, but we can think of it for, for this problem like they're they're picking one uh, at random. So mm-hmm. right away then they have a one in three chance right off the get-go of picking the correct door. Right. Okay. So now's where it starts to get a little interesting and we have to be a little careful <laughs> with the wording. So the host of Monty always, always, always opens one of the other two doors to reveal the joke prize. So if, if you pick door one, say, uh, then Monty might say, well, it's a good thing you didn't pick door number three and door number three will open and there is a, a, a goat there. Or he might say it's a good thing you didn't pick door number two. Uh, because there's there's a goat there, and he does this knowing that it contains uh, a joke prize. He can always do this because there's one car. So if you happen to pick the correct door to begin with, then the other two doors both contain joke prizes. And if uh, you, you didn't pick the right door to begin with, well, one of the other two doors contains the joke prize and they can open it up and there's the, there's the, there's the goat and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So Monty will always do this. And that, that's, 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 a, that's a, 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 of, of, of fundamental uh, importance here. And, there's, uh, and let's just say for now, just to keep things a, a little clean, uh, that, that if, if Monty has the choice, let's say you've picked door number one and both door two and three have the goat, then Monty randomly picks which one he shows you. Sure. Okay. So just just to clean things up a little, otherwise it can get a little a little sketchy with the wording. So so to, to recap there, three doors, one has a car, two have goats, you pick a door, Monty says, hey, uh, good thing you didn't pick this door, and shows you a door. He always does this, every single time, always does this, shows you, shows you opens the door, shows you a goat. Now there's two doors remaining, and Monty says, well, you can keep your original choice. That's fine with me, right? That's, that's fine with me. Uh, but I'll let you switch doors if you'd like. And Monty always does this. Monty always gives you the option to, to switch the doors, at least in, 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 in this, the Monty Hall problem. Okay. So now the question is, <laughs> the question is, should you stick with your door? Should you switch doors or does it not matter at all? Right. And so... A lot of people, the, the first impression is that it doesn't matter at all. It's a 50-50 choice, right? That is the first impression of, of a lot of people and a lot of smart people, certainly. It's, a, it's sort of an, it's an easy path to go down. There, you said there's two doors. Well, sure, he was always doing that thing. He always showed me a goat. I mean, who cares? I have two doors now. Right, I have two two doors. I have no real information about where the car is. Uh, you know, this is what people might think, <laughs> and so uh, it, it it doesn't matter. But it does matter, at least if I've chosen my words carefully enough, uh, that you are better off in the switching of the doors, and switching doors uh, doubles your chance of success. And doubles. Doubles indeed. So, well, a, a simple way to think about this, I think a simple way to think about this is the notion that under our premise, we had a one-third chance of, of being right on our original pick. 
So one third chance of being right in our original pick. Now, something's happened after that, right? We, we, we've seen something, but, uh, but we, we always see that thing, <laughs> right? It might have been, uh, let, let's say we picked door number one. He might have showed us door number two, or he might have showed us door number three, but he's always going to open a door and show us a goat, like every single time. So, so then the, the, the showing of the, of the door, and there are some subtle things, and we might refine this a little bit and show some, some ex exceptions a little bit if we have time. But the showing of the door didn't really uh, give us uh, any information as far as it relates to our probability of success in the first place. So our probability of success, which was once a third, has stayed a third. And there's only one door remaining. So that one, has to have a two-thirds chance of having the car behind it. Wait, what? <laughs> so <laughs> so there, there's various other ways of, of, of thinking about it here. By, by, by switching doors, right? Another way to think about it, let's say you pick door number one oh, to begin with. Now, Monty does, either shows you door number two or door number three, right? Now, in the end, you're, you have, you're staring at another door, the other door, right? But really, by switching you're really capturing those other two doors. Those two doors have now reduced themselves down to, to, to one. But if the prize was originally behind door number two or door number three, uh, either way to begin with, that prize is behind the other door. And you should switch. Yeah, that, that's the key piece that, that convinced me. Uh, I mean, at first, I didn't believe this thing. And, and, and then when you realize that, yeah... If you picked wrong, Monty has made your choice for you. And two out of three times you've picked wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 like I said, the, the wording has to be really, you have to be really careful with the wording here. And it is, it is a bit of a, it's a, even with properly worded, it is a bit of a tricky problem. And it's one of the reasons why it's been so long lasting and it, it comes up frequently and they have it in movies, they had it in the movie 21 um, and, and this sort of thing. It's it certainly a, a, has, has, has a staying power, the Monty Hall problem. So I think we're, we're getting to the end of our, our time slot here and I'd like to, to thank you for coming on here. Uh, and just one last question. I, re I remember um, back in university, you went and played in, I think, the first Las Vegas curling bond spiel. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I believe it was the first. I did. I did go. <laughs> yeah. And what God. happened there, Jeremy? So uh, I, 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 I won the whole damn thing, Al. <laughs> um, it was <laughs> so. It was. It was an, an, an absolute blast back back in the day. Corey and I went down to to Las Vegas uh, and and played in that bond spiel, and uh, that that was uh, yeah. It was well the extra layer to that is it, it was a um, all-star bond spiel where people were paying to go and play with all-star curlers as skips. Uh, and and um, somebody didn't show, they were sick or there's something like that. And uh, they, they, they put me in as, as the skip. You were the all-star so, skip uh, and you won. I was, I was the all-star skip. I felt really bad for a little bit for, the, for, for my team who came from, uh, they, I think they're from Gimli, Manitoba. And they came down to play with an all-star skip and they 
played with me instead. Uh, but I think they felt better about it when I won the whole damn thing. So I, I like to say uh, that for a, a brief moment in time, I was, I was the all-time money winner in the state of Nevada for curling. <laughs> Awesome. I'm not 100% sure that's true, but I, th- I think it probably is. <laughs> true at the time, anyway. Not uh, Far from true now, I would imagine. But that was, yeah, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up, Al. That was a fun, a fun, a fun one. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, an absolute pleasure to be on here talking with you. It was, it was great to touch base and to chat with you uh, just, just uh, as a person, but it was fun to chat about these things today as, as, as well. All right. Thank you very much. If you're enjoying what you're hearing please consider visiting my patron page and becoming a patron of this podcast at patron.podbean.com slash the rational view.